Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We are here to inspire and empower leaders in the hospitality industry to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In today's podcast, I'm honored to have Dr. John Mervyn Smith, Chief Psychologist and Director at the CG Index. John has a passion in understanding what makes people and leaders tick, and he's part of a team that creates a strong profile tool called the GC Index, a tool that helps you to find out where you and your people can make the most impact. I sat down with John to talk about what makes people tick, is their perfect leader profile, and how a profile tool can optimize individual and organizational performance and much, much more. Grab headphones and enjoy. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast, Dr. John Mervyn-Smith. We are sitting here in London today and uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, leadership, people's behaviours and preferences, I guess, but I will leave that to introduce yourself. That's kind of you, Michael. Thanks very much. Nice of you to ask me to join you for this conversation. So uh, my working life steeped in psychology, first as an academic and then as a clinician in the National Health Service and then in more recent years working in organisations. I suppose my specialism is talent, leadership, development and assessment at senior levels. What brought you on that journey, John? Because you, you have a huge background from, from different sectors. I, know. Yeah, I think it's something really very simple. I, I'm nosy about people, sort of consistent with my GC Index profile that we'll be talking about a little bit later. I've been asking questions about people since as far back as I can remember, why they do what they do and a need to understand behaviours and motivations, I guess. I've been very fortunate, so I've had the opportunity to talk to some very talented people down the years and and understand what it is that's underpinned their success. Yeah, because that's what really sparked my interest as well, because like Hospitality Maverick, we are on a journey to understand what the best of the best in the industry do and think and that's all about you know it starts with understanding yourself and others to create that kind of performance environment because you're always looking at somebody that's doing better than you and you're trying to model that behavior but what is exactly they do and thereby you need to go under your own understanding of yourself really to find that you know, yes. root in a way. You explain a bit about the, the CJ... G- GC G- Index. Yes, many of your uh, listeners won't be familiar with the GC Index, so I'll give you a, a very brief description. So the GC Index, unlike many, probably most psychometrics, was driven by the markets. In the first instance, we had organisations asking a search firm, of which I was a part, to help them define their game changers, their people who could drive transformational change. Maybe the same as Mavericks, we'd need to explore that. So this was a product four years ago of the world of work and what people needed. And we've created what we call an organometric that very simply describes an individual's impact and contribution to the world of work through a role or through a team not about personality. Do you want me to give you a a quick fix on the five? So five very basic ways that people have energy to make an impact. Game changers we would see as transforming the future with creative thinking, radical ideas, strategists who take that thinking and map a future in a more planned and organized way, implementers who build it, take the ideas, make it a reality, and polishers who turn that reality into often a thing of beauty, driven by a need for perfection, and orchestrating that very, 
often, and this may be key to the world of hospitality, we can have this conversation. Fifthly and lastly, the playmaker, the individual who seeks to get things done through collaboration and teamwork. Seems an obvious thing to say, but in our experience, I'm sure, not necessarily the norm in many organisations. Yeah, because I am an MBTI practitioner, as we talked about, and often what I found out when you do MBTI with a team or any kind of discovery thing, they all always get a bit you know, surprised. And I always call this the, the six blind men and the elephant. There's a story about the six blind men in India that was in the village and they all thought they knew what an elephant was and they all went and see this elephant and they came back and said it was a different thing. One of them said it was like a snake, one of them said like a wall. And that's actually often what happens in organization. You think you have the same map of the world, but you don't. Yeah. And then conflict arises. Yes. And then there's also, of course, you know, different agendas as well as silos happens within teams and stuff like that. So so if you had to say like when you, you met all these people through the through the years, are there some of these profiles that fits better to some jobs than others? Our data would suggest that what's my hesitation all too readily in my world there's been this search for the perfect profile the perfect team and the reality is uh, certainly directly from experience that it's possible to be successful in different ways Uh, and we found that a fairly obvious but liberating notion for many people and it's a play to strengths philosophy you know in in, in a team setting not everyone can score goals not everyone can defend not everyone can keep goal but if you know where your strengths are that awareness of what your contribution is then the argument would be play to those strengths be the best you can be at it rather than necessarily assuming that there's a a one-dimensional view of leadership which we all know is misleading that's just not the case and i guess it comes back to again what leadership is really is about is the relationship between you as a manager or leader and your nearest employees and people don't leave the organization they often leave management yes i mean if yeah i mean you know the number of times we've all looked at engagement surveys and that's one of the consistent themes that pops out and one of the biggest sources of stress for people at work is a is a difficult relationship with the boss for whatever reason now i would argue that if in the world of psychology our aim is to help people understand individual differences we would also hope that that understanding leads to something more productive rather than just a finger pointing of ah i can see why you're such a difficult individual now we don't use the gc index in in that way the focus is on how do you build productive complementary relationships rather than saying oh i can see why you're such a pain now that's not where we're we're at so if you use the cg index in your organization is there any like outcomes you know from experience now that you can achieve as a management because you always have the the people saying yeah it's all great all these things with more insight into the human side of things of the business but what does it really matter in the end of the day and i think that's a great question people ought to be asking the so what question you're quite right it's all very well sitting around on a wet wednesday and talking about personality differences the real value is not in understanding the difference but knowing how that helps people to connect so in gcn index language if you're a strategist and I'm an implementer. I know how we would work together. I don't really mind too much about your personality, but I know what I would bring to the relationship that you would value. And I think I know what I have that you would value. So I think there's a basis for building that complementary teamwork that's at the heart of most organisations and at the heart of hospitality in particular I would guess yeah I think it's very unique what you say there like you talk about a concept you don't talk about you or my profile psychological profile you talk about 
that I am more like a, I work like this in a concept point of view so therefore it does not become about you and me it becomes that we just do things different in a different way and that's an advantage both of us that we can utilize yes. that opportunity yes I mean some very simple examples if, if yeah. you're okay with that so I hope you won't mind me saying but my business partner is a very strong polisher so for him it's a pursuit of excellence the pursuit of perfection which again is a big theme in, in the world of hospitality What's he like to live with? He's a pain in the backside, a relentless driving pain, and he knows that. Would I swap him for someone else? No, because I value that he brings something that, that I don't in that regard. So knowing that complementary bit also allows for a degree of tolerance and valuing of difference and knowing how to use that complementary connection if you like and what is your profile ah, right okay this is where i'm a bit of a pain too uh, you asked this question earlier but my background is the academic world and it's not unusual to find in the academic world people who are strategists we ask why we want to know why things go together we want to understand patterns events in the world that's what the academic world is all about so i'm a strategist i like to ask why my colleagues now know that if they ask me to review something that they've already started I can be very difficult because unless I'm involved at the outset of a project or a program where I can ask the why are we doing this question I will find it hard to engage and they know that about me so they either don't bother to give me anything to look at or if they think it's important to have a view they'll get me involved right at the outset but that's that's what strategists are like and that understanding of how to use someone else's talents is key it's not that easy with other psychometrics to know how to use someone else's talents but that's what teamwork should be all about i've done the gc index and i was a game changer what what is this like my strange and what is my opportunities for growth yeah well because people think that that would be a great thing to be a game well there must be some downsides yeah i I mean i won't mention the client's name but this was a, a an innovation hub in Spain in the world of telecoms that we we worked with you would have loved it Michael because it was full of game changers people who creativity was off the scale were they actually getting anything done not really and it was when they introduced a a strategist to the team that she was able to understand all of this creativity and mobilize it and focus it on business needs in a way that the implementers and the polishers and the team could get on and do stuff rather than thinking What's he talking about now? And it was that piece of the jigsaw, if you like, that connected people and helped that team to be. It's like having a you know a great midfield. I'm not I'm not a football fan particularly, but, it, but you 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 see the analogy of, of having someone who can link people together. Yeah. So you would have enjoyed that world, but you would have needed if you're a strong game changer, you would have needed these other folk to deliver for you. Yeah, and it's very interesting as well because what I've seen with different profiles and people develop through the environment then i don't know if that's the same you've seen like sometimes people come in and they do some kind of profile test and they come out of something give an example um way back i worked for mcdonald's we did a lot of mbti and it was funny people in operation always came out with the same profile almost always estj which is a implementer yes in, in it would your be concept. close to that sure and they follow the process and they do it day in and day out but but how, how can how can an environment shape people to be that because they can't all be estjs i would say look it's impossible you're not born like like that 
this environment predicting <laughs> predicting personality profiles? You're right, to some extent it can shape and, and reinforce it. But but let's go back to first principles because I think what the GC index does too, and we, we hadn't expected this, a great revelation for us. It is also a measure of energy. When we see strong profiles, we know that people are energized. And what are they energized by? People are typically energized because they know they're good at something. They can make an impact, they can make a contribution. That's what engages and energizes them in the world of work. So my hunch would be that we, for the most part, are drawn towards those roles that do play to our strengths. Now, the key question then is, do they stifle further growth? You might get someone, a a graduate who is a strong implementer and they win their reputation by getting things done and being conscientious and being safe and so on, but they might want to move on and make a different sort of contribution. Will the organisation allow them to do that? So understanding someone's profile and therefore their potential gives managers, organisations an opportunity to say, yeah, great implementer, but they've also got talents as a playmaker or a game changer. We, I could tell you stories about this, but I, I won't just a minute. So it allows organisations and managers to recognise, nurture and develop talent. Who is your client, if you can mention a couple of them? Uh... We're live in uh, 31 countries now, I think 32 recently with with Thailand. And a whole range of clients from organisations like Marriott, a number of the telecoms firms, Orange, TELUS, Arm, BT, Continental is on our list, Network Rail, Unicredit, Telefonica, Leica. It's a, a long and growing list of clients who will use our partners so this isn't us delivering, this is our partners delivering to those those clients directly. So when you work through your partners, how does it work if I'm a leader, a manager, an HR person, I want to get involved with the GC index and use that in my business? What is the route to, to do that? If we're working directly with organisations, our clients will often be HR directors or CEOs who, like you, have seen the value of understanding the contribution and the impact that people can bring. And invariably, we usually start with with senior teams and then cascade GC index through through an organisation. So the starting point is typically at the top of an organisation. So there's, as I say, there's a desire to have an understanding of how do I know what I've got around me? What's the talent that I have in my leadership team? What contribution can I expect people to make? What benefits do you see typical these organisations getting out of doing this process of trickling that down in the organisation from the top and down? What are the, some of the typical top feedback that come back from them? Shall I give you a quick story? Yeah. That it probably might help to make it as concrete as, as, as possible. And this links a number of uses of the GC index. So one of our partners is a recruitment firm in North America called Top Gun Ventures. They work with a range of organisations. One of their clients was an organisation called Money Matters, typically of early startup businesses founded by a strong game changer. So someone who saw a possibility in in the market and pursued it with a typical game changing obsession. The business got to that point where it needed to consolidate, establish itself probably as a more grown up business. Top Gun were able to advise Money Matters on their leadership profile as it stood, help them to see where the gaps were. In this instance, the gap was you actually need some strategists and some implementers to take your business to the next level of functioning. 
at the minute you're very opportunistic, high energy but opportunistic. There's a period of consolidation that's needed. Let's go into the market and find these folk for you, which is exactly what they did. Brought in senior people who could fill that gap in terms of contribution, help them to integrate that new team. And I think 12 months on, they're talking about revenues having doubled. So simply by, by understanding What's the team we've got now? Where are the gaps in terms of the players we need? What do those players need to look like? Let's go out and search for them. Let's make sure we get the right people in. Let's integrate them. And, and, and once we've got the right team, let's assume that they will start to perform, which is exactly what they've done. So that gives you some flavour. I mean, this isn't rocket science. I mean, if you're a football manager, you do exactly the same thing. I mean, it's not about... Oh, I'm, I'm, I must go out and get some more extroverts or whatever it is. If you want strikers, you go out and get strikers. If you want goalkeepers, that's exactly what you do. And the GC index is a, a framework and a language for, for enabling you to do that. So there are some good stories coming back to us from our partners. Yeah, because that's super interesting. So you use the tool both to assess capability challenges internally and then what you need to go for example to go out the external or maybe what you need to train on internally yeah. even uh, how do you actually get you yeah. know people inside your business up to the game they need to be at yeah and that's what i like about that story it's a great piece of work on on their part it's it is you know that that process from what do we need let's go out and, and recruit it and make sure that we've got the right people let's integrate this senior group as a, as a team and watch them watch them perform and that's exactly what they've done very interesting that the ceo came to that acknowledgement that he needed to set a team in a way that's quite insightful that observation because you'll know that it's certainly in startups the founder can struggle to let go yeah that can create some real real tensions and and so you're right his awareness that hang on a minute, uh, I've taken this business so far. But also, because he was managed so well by Top Gun, he realised, in a sense, that by bringing the right people in, freed him to go where his energy was. So, you know, game changer with ideas and possibilities, he's going to be creating something else soon, not bogged down in the whole process of... Managing. Okay, Yeah, exactly. How do we structure and, and, and plan for the for the next five years, which would, for him, would drain more energy than it than it gave. So that's super interesting. Would that mean in an organization that you couldn't have three game changers in the senior management team? Is that what you're saying as well? There's only room for one game changer? Uh, do you know, I, I, I wonder, you could make the same argument for strategists. And we see in a, a number of senior teams how, how common strategists are. They do tend to bubble to the top. And the issue is exactly the same. If your strategists are not aligned, then you'll have a dysfunctional team. If they are aligned, then things work well. And my guess is would be the same would be true of game changers. If they can find some alignment rather than competing over who's got the smartest idea, then that could be enormously powerful. And, and I think history tells us, you know, if, if you look at the Renaissance or the uh, in, Industrial Revolution or, or Silicon Valley, that where you get a cohort of game changers together, actually exciting things can happen. It, it's just managing that excitement, I think, to, to good effect. Could you take on different roles? If you say you have a machine and management team, would you see some will maybe just take on when they get away that we need a strategic person we are we are three game changers here is that one of them that can actually start developing because they maybe already have a bit of that skill and take charge of that and say yeah. okay well that's my yeah. area of yeah and, and, and we've seen that we've seen that we've worked with 
teams, senior teams in construction, where there's a strong implementer focus in construction. They get stuff done, uh, and they were polishers, some of them too, and they got things done to a very high standard, but were neglecting the strategy. But actually, if you looked at their collective profiles, it didn't mean to say that there weren't strategists around. They just simply weren't giving time to that strategic thinking. That simple awareness in itself said, okay, we, we need to make time for the for the strategist bit rather than getting stuck into the day-to-day urgent that may not be important. So I, I think that's what always well worth looking at in teams. What's the what's the range of talents that you can potentially access? Yeah, what I've seen, especially in hospitality and restaurant is there's often a founder to lead the business and have all these ideas, but they never come, maybe sometimes they're not even expressed. They're just going on in his head because there's the missing link between the the implementer and the game changer, which is the treating person that puts down the plan and say, here's the one-year plan, the three-year plan, the five-year yes. plan. This is our unique selling point. Yes. Da, 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 and get all these yes. things implemented. Yes. And I've seen that in the world of leisure where you will get senior, talented individuals who say, people just don't get it as if it's their fault <laughs> rather than their inability to convey what they want. So there's that disconnect between that thinking and actually, you know, the disconnect between the principles and the thinking and, and, and the practice. And once people are aware that there's that disconnect using GC index language they can understand how to make that connection work more effectively. And in the hospitality industry in the moment there's um, maybe an insight about you know people is very important it's the it's always been important but it's like a focusing on right now because many many factors there's a talent cliff like in many industries but especially in this industry where people run too very fast a lot of people talk about the 0 to 19 days channels it's like keeping people more than 19 days within your business and now we're talking about the people on the ground and I often say it always comes up to they don't leave the company leave the, the manager in a way and the manager fit frustrated with the organization because the right things has not been put in place and I think these relationship is because there's not the same expectations about what it takes to run the business all the way through up from top to bottom so there's somebody in the top saying we want it this way and then they try to push it through out to the front line but the power actually has to be more out in the front line so it's not too much top down leadership where I think there's actually going to be there needs to be a change where power shifted again back to the front line and become much more people-led industry and we, and we have been for many years where we've been very top-down yeah. managed. I don't know if you have any... Well, I mean, I, no, I'm just reflecting on, on your thoughts there because it is is fascinating, isn't it, when you... Th- particularly in the world of hospitality, that tension between seeking some degree of consistency at the front line when it comes to customer service, but also giving people freedom to perform. How do you get that balance right? I mean, that's an intriguing one, isn't it? The essence for me of customer service is that every point of contact, customers want to feel different, special, unique. How do you do that in a way that doesn't undermine the consistency and the standards of service. And if you look at some of the best ones, my, my experience has been is that they have a very clear, defined culture. And, and it's not just about three words on the wall. It's actually people understand what behaviors that really drive results. And it's not results about sales and stuff like that. It's customer service standards or it's quality standards. They actually understand when we do this every day in and out, our swing wheel, as I call it, then we're having going to be successful. We're just going to do it every, every day. And it's behaviors more than it's actually metrics you measure. Yes. So if I give an example, it could be the way they serve their coffee yeah. and the way they have done that. They do that because eight out of 10 customers love it in that way. Yes. And, and that gives the result and result. Yes. But there's nobody have put that in that this is an important bit for the business for 
having happy customers. Nobody knows. It's yes. never been written down in a book of behavior. As but, I but if that's true, and of course it's true that the, the culture you create is significant in that regard in terms of nurturing the behaviors you want, I suppose I would also argue that it's very easy to use the GC index framework in that setting and say, hmm, if super high standards are critical to service, you need to have some polishers on board and um, steer clear of the strategists who are constantly going to be asking why are we doing it that way because that's not going to be helpful. And we've seen certainly in the world of retail where uh, people have come to us with retention issues, you know, they're, they're taking on bright young graduates, big brains, also strategists who ask why constantly or they have, have game changers with ideas. This is a business that doesn't want that. They want people who get on and do. They don't even want polishers who do it twice. They just want to get on, get stuff out the door. They want implementers. Are they hiring implementers? No. They're not seeing that as something that's important. They're seduced more by academic qualifications and so on. There's a way of matching GC index framework to, to those needs that will have an impact upon retention. So that's very interesting when you talk about talent because a lot of people think they will want to bring in a lot of talent but they don't decide on as you say what is the majority of talent we need to run our business because i guess it also depends on where you are in the life cycle so one thing is the industry and what is the output or the value you want to give to the customer in many things when you talk retail and restaurant hospitality is consistency we, we all like to go to a place where we know what's going to happen yeah. pret is a very good example a lot of people go to prep because it's a comfortable thing yeah. it's you know what's going to happen and it's speed almost and you know what they have on the shelf and the same comes from McDonald's and it works every time. Yeah. But I guess if you are running a tech business, it's a totally different thing you're looking for than consistency. Yes. That will be part of the business that's consistency, yes. but not yes. majority. And, and, and contradictory, which is interesting because by definition, game changers do not thrive in a world that requires conformity. They will resist bureaucratic rules that stifle creativity. So if the world of hospitality needs its game changes, it needs to know how to manage them to good effect. Otherwise, they'll just simply be disruptive or, or leave. Yeah, because I guess also if you don't give room for the game change, let's say it's all about consistency and implementer and polisher, then we're going to have a challenge because the industry needs to evolve and innovate to be here in five years or a business for that sake within the industry. We've seen that the last couple of years that the companies that stopped innovating was just executing on their strategies and implementing, they, they got into trouble. And this is what makes your world fascinating, I think, just managing that tension. It is the tension between game changers and the polishers. And we, we've had other retail clients who said, oh, come and help us find our, our game changers. We need our game changers. So we talk them through the GC index model and, and they said, mm, actually, we need polishers. We need people to take our processes and perfect them. For us, that's what innovation is about. We don't need game changers at this point. Point in, in our life cycle. Just that understanding of the difference was helpful for them. Other organisations do need that game-changing talent. So they do need to be clear in their own minds about how they recognise it, recruit it, retain it, exploit it. And you can almost use this, I'm just talking out of God now, this tool as I see it again, we talked about the S-curve before. Where are you in development stage? Are you a startup? Are you a business in growth? Are you maturity? You can almost set your team your senior management team and your organization, what kind of profiling it needs to have to succeed on that stage. Because if you are very mature, you probably need to start innovating or else you're gonna die. When are you getting off the cliff if you don't bring in the people 
to reinvent yes. your organization. You see yes. the best organizations yes. through time. They went from you know startup to growth to maturity, and then either they die or they reinvent themselves. Yes, yes, yeah, and and that's that's fine. I mean, we we've seen a bit of that story with with Dyson, of course, an organization that sort of had game changing origins, but has spent many years polishing the technology that they have and there will there will come a time when they see a need to reinvent themselves in a more radical game-changing way potentially that's a useful way of understanding the needs of an organization at any particular time yeah and then one that's very close to me in the industry is mcdonald's i've you know been through a couple of cycles with myself where they've done re-innovation and recently they've gone out and bought tech companies to take over the personalization journey. So they bought a tech company in Tel Aviv. They put in a tech team, they moved into the tech area of Chicago. So they understand now that tech is a very important part of running a very efficient restaurant business. And that does feel revolutionary too, doesn't it? How how that digital world would just shape and change the nature of customer service and customer contact that needs a, a lot of careful thought. How does the, the GC index actually play in? Because like everybody talks about, now we talk about tech, about digital transformation and the impact this is going to have on organization. And I often say it's just evolution of society and it's just another change coming and they're just coming faster now than ever. So because I guess this index can help but change as well as an individual organization level. Well, one of our one of our partners that specialises in the area of, of, of change, and, and and I mean the reality is that all change needs managing. It needs some careful thought. It needs managing. And again, the GC index is a way of understanding how you put people together in order to manage that process of change. What, what are the challenges facing us? What are the sorts of changes we need to make? What sort of team do we need to put together who can meet those those challenges? I mean, it's pretty simple stuff. But I guess the, the challenge is, again, you often don't do that pre-work before you go into the situation. Let's take from, from my world again. You have a failing restaurant, you change the, the manager in there, but you often don't go in and think, what else do we need to change in that team besides? You just put yeah. one person in. Yeah. And with a bit of luck, maybe he can turn it around. We're just going to find one that they normally call. We're going to find one that's a people person to the turnaround. We don't yes. need a polisher. We just need the shift to change direction. Yes. And then he stands there, she stands there alone. If they're lucky, there's somebody that joined their journey. If they're unlucky, they kind of run away from it because it's a, it's a chain process that's never going to happen. Sounds like you work with some distressed clients. <laughs> maybe, maybe it'd be easier to work with those at the, the other end of the spectrum who see the possibilities and are sort of raring to go with changing the way they do things. But uh, and that was my role when I was in restaurants. They put me out to the restaurant that needs to be turned around. Yeah, really, really, it was, yeah. It was a matter of actually getting the team in the right direction. Yes. It was about you know having the perfect super line P&L and processes in place. Yeah, and we've all seen this. We've all seen that. I've seen it in the world of gaming, that direct direct link between the right general manager and the performance of a club or a restaurant or whatever. I mean, it's quite, it's quite stark sometimes, isn't it? What does it tell us? We all know that getting the right person in the right role at the right time will impact business performance, that's the Top Gun story. All the GC Index do, is doing is bringing a bit of science to informing those decisions. And that's what I think is very interesting. When I work with the senior managers, there's often not much 
you know, fact on people, it's all God. They are not performing, he's not performing, he's doing this and that, and actually they don't know why. It's not like they can like they can analyze their sales or their profit down to the lowest level customer service, but often people is as maybe an engagement survey. But that's not how you set the team because an engagement survey is so broad, you know, you, you can maybe see some strategic directions of things. But where really when you start to break down profiles, that's where I in my world you start to have some, you know, facts on it. There's a guy called Day Dolio. Day Dolio is a Bridgewater founder and investment strategist and they use profiles deliberately in that business to build high performing teams. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there are still some people who sort of find it offensive and who would say, oh, but I'm a good judge of people, I don't need this. Uh, and then more enlightened folk will say, I'm a good judge of people, but it would be nice to have some confirmation from a from a sort of an objective source. And there's nothing wrong with that in terms of the cost of a failed hire versus the cost of doing some assessments. I mean, the, the equation just doesn't doesn't hold up. So why not almost? support decisions with with some data if you can if you can get it there's a lot in the industry in the moment also talking about mental health and one of the things they in general just work too many hours and too hard that's one element in. but also as you said before if you put people in a job where the fit is not right yeah. because you think it's a promotion but they will never say no you never say no to your boss to offer you a, a promotion and yeah. they go into that job but they were not the right fit yeah then no. you can actually avoid some of these catastrophes of people leaving your business because of burnout yes and, you know if, if you're in a job that takes more energy than it gives that's a recipe for burnout some way down the track i mean we were talking about that earlier when you talked about editing these podcasts and i've seen it with many examples where people are put into roles that require a very diligent attention to detail i.e a polisher task and that's not them. And what happens after a while? Yes, of course, they can do it to begin with. But would, would you want to edit a podcast? You know, eventually you would just want to run away, wouldn't you? And not, not do it again. So, uh, so yes, I mean, it's, that's a sort of simple understanding of where people fit best, knowing that if you've got them in the right roles, it will generate energy for them rather than take it. Have you uh, used the tool besides on senior management level? all the way out to what I call frontline employees, like people that serve you in a restaurant or in a hotel. Have you used the tool in these kind of settings and, and it's possible to apply it all the way through the organization? Yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, that, that's a question, I think, for, for some of our partners who will have worked with those groups from a range of organizations, whether it's sort of banking through to, to the NHS. I was thinking you wondering, did the, the employee that has the direct customer service yes. responsibility, yes. If, if the tool have actually been used in that kind of setting because yeah. I think there's one thing getting the management team right but yes how do you actually set the team right all the way through the organization what type are you hiring in from the street into the yeah. service no, I agree. As well? no I agree no I mean and, and it is relevant there because as soon as you you know get your head around this very straightforward model you can you can see that the matches that you you need to be making between here's the role this is what it requires ah we need a playmaker in that role. So if I'm thinking about a supervisor in a casino, yeah, I think I'd, I'd want to go for someone with playmaking capabilities who can bring a team together, make sure that they deliver to a particular standard, be inclusive in their approach, look for collaboration, because all of those qualities and the way that individual manages a team 
will have an impact on the quality of the service that customers experience. And I guess as well, if you use it really well, you can almost most find out that if people don't fit in a specific team, you can almost move them before it becomes too late as well. Because there will be team fits, I guess, as well. There's also a culture within a team, within an organization. And sometimes people just don't fit into that team. They will never, with that kind of profile, work. And therefore, it would be good to move them in the organization because they are the right person have the right value, you yeah. know they're right, just need to find another seat on the bus to them. As much as I love the world of, of gaming, you probably wouldn't want to put me into a, a customer-facing team with my strategist inclinations because I'd ask too many why questions and I'd get on people's nerves with that. So you'd probably want to move me out, give, give me another job somewhere. But yes, that, that supports your, your view. Have you seen that with clients when you work with them, they suddenly find out that this person is, he's absolutely, she's absolutely not in the right role yeah. compared to her yeah, we have and, and 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 also which is which is more striking at times uh, we worked with a with a tech team whose role in a bank was to fix tech problems and i remember one individual very clearly she was a strong implementer and she was very good at fixing tech problems but she was also a game changer and no one had seen that talent her colleagues hadn't seen that talent and why because the role didn't require it so there was a talent here that was unrecognized and not used so there's a potential therefore not to just see that someone's in the wrong role but they have the potential to bring something else that isn't being recognized and exploited i'm saying exploited in the best possible sense yeah when you go on this journey and you you start using tools like this do you see that organization keep does that this follow the manager that takes it on board or do you see it becomes like an organization a habit to use these tools how have you seen the, the evolution of this yeah no we, we we have and just one of our very early clients and not for profit in in the US called Water for People, and that's what they do. They provide water around the world in a number of third world countries, and they've embraced the GC index both in um, their head office and their their operations around the world. And GC index has become a, a shorthand for them understanding how people can work together, understanding tensions, and resolving those tensions quite quickly, usually with a degree of, of humour, but without it becoming a sort of big psychological deal, if you. Know. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, because often psychometric test, and you were very clear, this is not a psychometric test. Becomes a lot about personalities, and you are, and I am, and so on. Yes, Which... and that, and that's almost impossible to resolve when once you frame a problem as personality. Well, I'll give you a very quick example of senior team we were working with. CFO was a woman. Uh, she was surrounded by uh, a bunch of sounds like alpha males who like the sound of their own voice. That was framed as a personality problem. Oh, here's a bunch of people with big egos who just like to be dominant. And as soon as you do that, you get really stuck into some unpleasant stuff. They, they did the GC index. Turns out that most of the men were strategists. She was an implementer, polisher, a bit of a combination of both. Uh, and she just got fed up with, with the uh, analysis paralysis. Now, when they recognised that, it liberated all of them including her to see that her role in that team was to move it on to move it from debate into action rather than getting bogged down in debate and and it, and it takes it away from gender or personality it becomes come on this is our task now we, we've had the debate what, what are we actually going to do next Wednesday and that freed her to make the contribution that she 
she wanted to. That's very interesting when you talk about gender in general, also when it comes to the restaurant industry. You see a lot of women leave the industry at a certain point when they get family and so on, and, and there's almost sometimes a perception that she couldn't handle this kind of job, having a family in a way, and then they are you know rejected from the management team in a way because they can't you know put the same hours in it as did before again, and they say that it's off gender thing, and I, I think we have a big challenge in the industry because we need more feminine energy. Women bring that feminine energy into to business, but often has nothing to do with you know their personality or the gender it's actually just the way they, they approach things in life and they do things and that's again comes back to the profile i guess as well that you have to appreciate that we all are different and we have different things to bring to the, the table do you see there's a difference when on female and male profiles when you do them can they be executed in different ways? Oh, no, that's an interesting question. I think there's two questions in one yeah. there. On I mean, your first question, do we see gender differences? Yeah. The answer is no. And, and, and that, that's quite an insight too, because there, there had been, I can't remember the year it appeared in the Harvard Business Review, this, this thing that men are good at strategy and women are good at everything else stuff. Our, our data shows very clearly that there's, in terms of the strategists, there are no differences between men and women. That's true, true for all of them. Whether they do things, so does a female strategist look different from a male strategist, that's an interesting question. We would argue that having a strategist mindset doesn't make you a great strategist. You need to learn a set of skills. And there are some skills that will apply equally to men and women, articulating your view, engaging people, seeking to influence, uh, helping people to understand their anxieties and overcome them by uh, change and so on. Uh, So those skills fit, I would guess, across gender. But I still like your question about, we we need to do a piece of research to see whether, whether there are differences in the way that people perform that yeah it's an interesting one that's a bit of homework for you (laughs) yes another thing for the list so on this journey who are your heroes who inspired you to go on this journey and creating this tool the team that i've worked with probably for the last five or six years you've got to remember that i'm naturally a cynical academic at heart as a strategist if i ask the why question there's probably a degree of anxiety underpinning that and saying, do we really need to do this at all? Uh, some of my colleagues have taken lead. Those with more game-changer inclinations who've seen the possibilities, yes, okay, I can evaluate them and understand their significance and see whether they're coherent. But I've needed, in, in certainly in this journey of the GC Index, to take a lead from those folk who see the possibilities. I have been inspired, I won't name names, by colleagues whose attention to detail has made me feel incredibly safe within the team because I know things will get picked up in a way that I couldn't. So it's allowed me to recognise my own strengths uh, and not agonise over where the weaknesses are. That's not to say you can take advantage of, that's another story of, of colleagues who are good at stuff. But I suppose really, yeah, those have been the inspirations on, on this journey, recognising that we've got a team of folk who are different but complementary. Good. The last question we always ask our guests on uh, the podcast is if you could give like one advice to a leader of a hospitality and restaurant business, just a general leader out in the world, what would that be then? There's a reality to leadership, isn't there, in the sense that leadership thrives when people are in the right place. We know that from history. There are loads of examples that when people are in the right place, their leadership comes to the fore. So for any corporate leader, knowing that you're in the right place, in the right role, in an organisation where you can thrive is key. So a playmaker is going to 
to thrive in some organisations. They will not in others, and, and there are stories to support that too. So know you're in the right place, and then play to your strengths. Trust that. And, and, and it ties back into a theme that was gone, when was it around in the 90s? The authenticity piece. If you're not playing to your strengths, then you're not being yourself. And if you're not being yourself, you're not being authentic. And, 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 and I think those two are the key sort of starting points for me for leadership and trust it trust that there isn't just one way of being a a leader we know that great great advice so what you're saying is first find the right people get them with you on the journey and find the right seat for them with help for any kind of tool that will help you take make better decisions about your people so they perform better yeah and and, and trust trust that your approach to leadership is the right one And, and, and as you say going back to the top gun story you're absolutely right. It was courageous of the founder to say, my leadership isn't right for this organisation just at this moment. I need to take on another sort of leadership role, but it's not going to be taking this organisation to the next stage of its growth. I think that's the biggest challenge all leaders have out there when they get to the top. How do I actually come to that point where I can look myself in the mirror instead of looking out of the window, say that the problems is with things not working within my team or the customers, but it's actually something with me and I need to set my standards higher. It's easy to be critical. I have to say I meet some incredibly talented and enlightened folk. And when I think of the question that you've just posed, I mean, I, I think... It's it's interesting, isn't it? This whole debate about is self doubt a part of of, of leadership? Self doubt is critical. It's a basis for wisdom very often. But many of the talented leaders I will talk to have enough self doubt to constantly say, "Am I the right person for this job right now?" Great. Thank you very much for your time, John. Great pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, John, for sharing your insight on how to boost performance through understanding your own personality profile. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, review, share, or subscribe to one of our channels. Thanks to Let's Talk Video Production for your ongoing podcast assistance. We hope you enjoyed today's Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. Tune in next time for another industry interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.